everybody, it's Dr. Sandy Laura Kramers. Thank you again for joining us for the EYE Show podcast. I had a wonderful summer. I went to the Women in Ophthalmology Conference last weekend, had a wonderful time. There were 1,200 uh, female surgeons there and promptly caught a quick cold, but have recovered quickly. Uh, thanks to the protocol that I've sent a lot of you and you is on my podcast and blog. So today we're going to talk about something a little controversial, which is the dynamic and situation between two surgeons. And a lot of us during this conference last weekend were talking about female surgeons and how uh, there was one talk called Mean Girls, which was quite fascinating because I've never seen the movie Mean Girls, um, but it was quite interesting. But when we talk about any specialty, any, any workplace, there's different personalities involved. And in ophthalmology is no different. There's no difference in ophthalmology. So we have Dr. Toyos and Dr. Maskin. And I want to talk a lot about this because a lot of patients ask me about this. And I want to just get it out. Let's put it out there so people can understand what's going on and why there's this kind of tension within the field of dry eye disease. And most patients obviously don't feel that tension, but the ophthalmologist that's going to be treating you, or even the optometrist that's going to be treating you, there's a tension. And I want to explain to you why there's a tension. So they're in dry eye disease, most 99% of people treating patients with dry eye disease want you to get better, want you to not have to feel your eyes. We all know we're getting uh, older, we're all drying up. I know I'm getting older. I know my bo- my bombing glands are drying up and I know that I'm starting to start to feel my eyes at the end of the day and I know what that means and I know what my, my bombing glands look like. So my goal is for you to get better as soon as possible, for you not to notice your eyes, to feel no symptoms. <clears throat> That's true for all the doc- all the doctors that I know that are involved in dry eye disease. This is a thankless uh, kind of field. I mean, of course, people do thank you, but it's a chronic condition. So it's not like cataract surgery where you have a curable condition. You do a 10-minute surgery. The patient was blind. Now they can see and they love you forever. So cataract surgery is wonderful that way. And most of the doctors that are uh, involved in dry eye disease still are cataracts and glaucoma surgeons. I am still doing cataract and glaucoma surgery, but I want to try to help my patients with dry eye disease for many reasons, but mostly because it does affect the cataract outcomes and the surgical outcomes and, of course, for health and happiness and all the things that we treat patients for. So when it comes to dry eye disease, there's the two issues of what's the best way to treat dry eye disease in terms of intense pulse light and meibomian gland probing. I think most surgeons would say that the plan of telling patients to do warm compresses and do the heat and blink is great on paper but doesn't work in theory. Patients don't do it. They don't have time. Uh, Some patients don't feel better afterward. It makes inflammation worse, which it can. So Dr. Maskin's on the side of, he doesn't even recommend warm compresses anymore because he, think he thinks it does more harm than good. I think Dr. Toyos, Dr. Perryman, Laura Perryman, who's in uh, Seattle, and let me just go through the names of these doctors so you know who's who. Uh, Dr. Stephen Maskin is in Tampa, Florida, and he's kind of the father of my bombing gland probing. Dr. Roland Toyos is in Nashville, Tennessee. He's kind of the father of intense pulse light. 
I'm Dr. Kramers. I'm here. I just do mostly cataract and glaucoma surgery, but I do dry eye, of course, as well, and trying to help patients and have this podcast to help patients with all kinds of questions. And Dr. Laura Perryman is in Seattle, Washington, who is also uh, well, very well versed in dry eye disease, and I send a lot of patients to her. She's lovely. I think she stopped doing cataract surgery pretty much completely. Dr. Maskin stopped doing cataract surgery completely. Dr. Toyo still does cataract surgery. Dr. Pedram Hamra is in Boston. Uh, he was with Tufts for a while. Now I think he's back with Harvard. He might be with back with Tufts. So forgive me, Dr. Hamra, if I'm getting that wrong. But he is kind of the super specialist in what's called confocal microscopy, which has some positives and negatives as well. And I'm sure there's many other dry eye specialists around the country. I, forgive me for not mentioning them. These are the ones that have published, uh, or at least I know of their research, <clears throat> or I know them personally. So I just want to go a little bit through this. So Dr. Uh, Maskin would say don't do warm compresses because it increases inflammation and I would agree with him to some extent. He sees a lot of patients that have rosacea especially whose inflammation can get worse with heat so that might be an issue to consider. I tell patients if the heat makes your eye worse you may not be able to do it and we may have to rely on intense pulse light and probing long term. We'll go through that in just a few minutes but if you can do heat I try to do heat and then you might need cold afterwards if it makes the heat if that makes the redness worse. So Dr. Maskin it's kind of on that side with heat masks. Dr. Toyo's probably still recommends heat, but of course he does a lot of intense pulse light. I think last time I spoke to him, he's doing intense pulse light even on Saturdays. He's flying out to New York City to do intense pulse light. Uh, he's doing intense pulse light, I think sometimes 10 hours a day. So that's what he's doing quite a bit. Now, the two of them are wonderful surgeons. They're wonderful doctors. If you look at their CV, they're both very well educated. Dr. Maskin uh, has did residency at Bascom Palmer, which is the best in the in the world for ophthalmology. My sister did her residency there as well. Dr. Toyos went to Stanford for his master's, went to Berkeley. They're, they're smart. They're good surgeons. They're good people. They just disagree passionately on the dry eye issue. And let me go through the disagreement so you guys can understand. And we'll, and we'll tease this out a little bit. So for years, Dr. Maskin would say IPL was potentially dangerous for patients' health, and eye, eyelid health, that is. And Dr. Toyos would say meibomian gland probing is risky and potentially dangerous for the meibomian gland health, okay? And the reason, they had both good reasons, this was many years ago, where Dr. both, both we, we're kind of in the situation where we don't have that much great data in this field. Now we do, but back then we didn't. So it was hard to know who was right. The intense pulse light people would say that you're putting a probe into the meibomian gland. It's not even FDA approved. You don't know what you're doing to that gland. Are you creating scar tissue? Are you going to make the gland structure worse and make atrophy worse faster? That was kind of the uh, IPL group's statements. And, you know, I would take it with a grain of salt because those IPL people have a vested interest in the technology of intense pulse light. That's what IPL is. And so therefore, when they would speak, I would say, well, you have a vested interest in this technology. How can I know what you're saying is true? The meibomian gland probing people would say that intense pulse light is risky. And that's probably not a good idea to do that if you have a meibomian gland that has a closed surface because you're just pushing against it. So the idea is that sometimes you do need to probe first before you express the oil. And that's been our experience in our office. 
Most of our patients do very well with intense pulse light alone. It decreases enough inflammation. It gets the oil to start coming out, usually initially like white toothpaste and then eventually like olive oil. And that's how it should look when you're blinking, like a little gush of olive oil. So we generally will give patients at least one chance of intense pulse light unless there's almost no gland structures left on the mybography, and then those patients will need probing first. But if after the second or third trial of intense pulse light or patients have tried intense pulse light with expression, whenever I say the word intense pulse light, I mean with expression always, because to me it doesn't make sense that you would do intense pulse light without expression, because expression is crucial, like milking a cow. You gotta get the oil pumping out. Uh, so generally we'll try one to three sessions of intense pulse light, and if there's no oil coming out or it's very slow and the recovery is not fast enough, I'll recommend probing. Because probing is not FDA approved, it is uncomfortable, it is expensive, some patients will not want to have this done, in which case we really only have intense pulse light in addition to lipoflow and tear care, which have their role to save the glands you do have. It's just not an anti-inflammatory the way intense pulse light is. So that's where we stand. So what does this mean for you, our patient who's sitting in front of us who is having a lot of symptoms. We have patients like you that may feel like people think you're crazy. You may have depression over this, headaches. We've had people maybe even like you that can feel despairing because it's so confusing. What do you do? And the answer is I think you need to do something. And again, all of us agree that doing nothing is the worst thing you can do. So you need to do something. The most safe, if your skin color is acceptable, the safest is intense pulse light. If you've already tried lipoflow or tear care, or you know that you're not a candidate for that anymore because the glands are decreased. So the first thing you should do is go to a doctor who has a lot of experience with dry eye disease. It doesn't have to be me, it doesn't have to be Dr. Maskin or even Dr. Toyos or Dr. Perryman or Dr. Hamra. You wanna go with somebody that has ideally no vested interest, that can look at your meibomine glands and give you a clue. And this is how we do it. I look at the meibomine glands. If the grading is stage zero, meaning they have all their meibomine glands left, and they haven't had Accutane, by all means, try intense pulse, uh, try Lipoflow or tear care first. That's what I did. Tear care or Lipoflow, warm compresses, blinking, less screen time. All, all the natural things, decreased screen time. That's what I'm trying to say, speaking too fast. That's first. If you've lost one gland, do something. Tear care or Lipoflow, warm compresses still. But if you've tried that and it didn't help, or you know you just won't tolerate it for whatever reason because of the rosacea makes uh, the heat makes your redness worse, then I would do intense pulse light first. If you know you have almost no glands left, I generally recommend probing first followed by intense pulse light two weeks later. So as I briefly alluded to, we have more data now and that has been a game changer because the paper that came out by Huang et al. Uh, and this is, was published in 2019 in the BMC Ophthalmology. And the name of this one is called Clinical Results in Interductal Mybomian Gland Probing Combined with Intense Pulse Light in Treating Patients with Refractory Obstructive Mybomian Gland Dysfunction, a Randomized Controlled Trial. That's a big uh, mouthful. This was the first of its kind, which did not have Dr. Maskin nor Dr. Toyos involved in the study that looked at three groups of patients, three groups of patients. First, 
had just meibomian gland probing, the second group just had intense pulse light with expression, and the third had the meibomian gland probing followed by intense pulse light two weeks after. The group that did the best on the studies and the parameters they studied was the one that did to combine, which makes total sense to me because you want to get the oil pumping ideally after the obstruction has been removed. The issue is that most people don't have a huge obstruction that has to be removed, and intense pulse light, in my opinion, often is enough, but together is better. So if patients are noticing they're not improving with intense pulse light, or they want to get better really faster, this tends to be the best protocol. What we've tried also in the more recent pass in our office is that we will do both at the same time. So we'll do intense pulse light first, because it seems to make probing less uncomfortable, and so we'll apply a treatment of intense pulse light on the lower lids, the upper lids, and then we will probe the upper and lower of one eyelid, of upper and lower eyelid of one side, the right eye or left eye compared to the other side, where we just do intense pulse light. So patients can see whether there's an improvement or not, and then we'll follow it up with another intense pulse light, usually between two weeks to two or three months, depending on the symptoms. So that's basically what we're recommending in our office, and it's been working very well. For you, it's going to be a frustrating journey a bit because we don't have the best recommendations for you because every patient's a little different, but we have some studies now to indicate that these do work. They do slow down gland loss. They do help with symptoms. It's just a question of which one should come first, which one should come second, how should you space it, how often do you need it, uh, which one is the best one to start with, and that's where the kind of minutia data is important. So I tell patients, if you're spending most of your eyes with your eyes closed and you're not uh, on screens too much and you're doing your warm compresses and blinking and massaging and all the things I tell patients to patch one eye at the screen or talk with your eyes closed with one eye closed or whatever works, you won't need these procedures as often. If you're an IT person and on screens more than eight hours a day, this is gonna be with you forever. So you wanna think about saving your eyes for eye-worthy things. To go into a little bit more data and minutia on this, just if you wanna know all the details and dirt, uh, there is a controversy within meibomian gland probing between the one millimeter probe, the two millimeter probe, and the four millimeter probe. And so they all appear to be relatively safe I have seen a couple of patients of Dr. Maskin's, now at least three, who felt worse after the four millimeter probe. So we, I know he initially backed down on doing the four millimeter probe and he does the one millimeter and two millimeter most often and then occasionally the four millimeter probe I have a mutual patient of Dr. Maskin's who comes in and says, actually two of them, who come in and say, I want the four millimeter probe of these central glands and they know exactly what they want because they've been there. They know what makes them feel better. So some patients get to the point where they know what they need. I have one patient that comes in every six weeks and knows she needs to be probed because IPL just did not work for her. It made her feel more irritated and she really feels improvement with probing and she knows when she needs to come in. So a lot of patients start to know and feel their eyelids and get to know their eyelids and their eyes so well that they know what they need and they will come in and say this is what i need this has worked for me in the past just do it let's get it done and we know that works for them so that is the kind of other slightly deeper controversy in my booming gland probing the same thing with intense pulse light what is the best protocol dr toyos really believes that having the multiple kind of passes his toyos protocol is the best I don't disagree with him, but what I do 
think is that IPL is like milking a cow. You have to repeat it over time. And what happens long term when we treat the eyelid and the fat that's under the eyelid over years, multiple times, that's a big unknown. IPL has not been around for more than really 25 years, so we have short-term data. And I have now two patients that feel, and they, they feel and they see a slight kind of the fat iPad under the eyelid may be getting a little bit kind of more hollow. Maybe we're decreasing that fat pad, and again, we don't know. So I'd switch my protocol to not do as many passes this way. Uh, he goes tragus to tragus. This is the tragus area here in front of your earlobe. He'll do usually seven passes on the bottom. I usually now go one, two, three, and then four like this. So I feel like I'm getting that extra amount of eye peel along the eyelid. And we do treat facial rosacea, but we're, again, careful with our patients that have dry eyes because we know we have to repeat this usually every few weeks to every few months. And we wanna be very careful with the skin, the ocular structures, and the fat pad that surrounds the eyelid. And that's where I tend to be a little bit more conservative. Uh, but I think that that's what I would want for my own eyelid because I know it's like gonna have to be repeated for my own eyelids. So that's the controversy in intense pulse light. The other controversy in intense pulse light is there are still doctors out there that are not expressing after IPL. They just use the anti-inflammatory component of intense pulse light. That does help, but I don't think it's enough. I think you need to express it. And my personal preference is for patients to have an expression with a video camera expression, meaning you can see the oil coming out as the doctor expresses the oil. So you can both see the quality and the quantity of the oil. So you can have a prognosis expectation of how often you're gonna need this, because it should look like olive oil coming out of each orifice when you have this done. So those are the key controversies in dry eye disease between Dr. Toyos and Dr. Maskin. My offer is still open for Dr. Toyos to join us on this podcast. I've, Dr. Maskin was kind and gracious enough to do that for our patients and for all of us and for myself. So thank you to Dr. Maskin. And I think we should just have Dr. Toyos on this podcast. Ideally with Dr. Toyos and Dr. Maskin and myself, let's hash it out. Let's go through all of this together. Let's repair that friendship and relationship if there ever was a friendship. And the only way that's going to happen if all of you email and contact Dr. Toyos and beg him to come onto our podcast or to have an open discussion with Dr. Maskin. So you, the patient, can get further into their knowledge base and their brain of what they're thinking, why they said what they said, where do they stand now. This is a process of kind of development. We're all learning about this disease together. And I think that they're both right and they need to work together. We need to work together to help our patients because I know both of them are gonna have dry eye disease. I know I'm gonna have dry eye disease because I'm getting older. I know a lot of our kids are gonna have dry eye disease. So that's the only way to get to them is to convince them to do this for their kids and grandkids. Anyway, hope you enjoyed this podcast. Please subscribe and pass it on to friends and family and keep sending your questions. Thank you to the patient who asked me to do this podcast. Have a great day.